In this series of conversations, Vidhi speaks with queer academics, lawyers, and activists on marriage equality and beyond. The series touches upon the marriage equality petitions before the Supreme Court of India and the relationship between queer movements and the law. It highlights the need for community consultation, the importance of legal recognition to intimacies beyond marriage, demands of the transgender community, and the future of family law in India. In this conversation on Vidhi Beyond Marriage Equality, we speak with Koil Ghosh, a queer feminist activist and managing trustee of SAFU for Equality, about the importance of recognition of intimacies beyond marriage in light of the marriage equality petitions. Uh, hi, I'm Namrata. I am from the Vidhi Center for Legal Policy, and we're joined today by Koil Ghosh from SAFO for Equality. Minakshi Shonnal of SAFO from Equality is a petitioner in the marriage equality petitions that are presently being heard in the Supreme Court of India. But this decision to be a petitioner was a collective decision taken by SAFO from Equality. And they are being represented through Minakshi Shonnal, who is the second petitioner in the Ritu Parna Bora petition. Uh, just to introduce you to our speaker today, uh, we are joined by Koyal Ghosh, who is a gender non-conforming, non-binary queer feminist activist and the managing trustee of SAFO for Equality. They are a trained educator who continues to impart knowledge and love to young minds over half a decade. Their vision is to collectively create a gender just society where no one is excluded on the basis of their gender identity or sexual orientation. Koyal is focused on collective healing and radical kindness as their motto to sustain the legacy of the activist rights forum SAFO for Equality. They've also co-authored the book, Gender Chemistry, Non-Binary Life Scripts. Thank you for joining us today, Koyal. We're really grateful to have you. Thank you, Namrata. Um, just to start off this conversation, um, could you throw a little bit of light on the motivation behind SAFO for Equality for joining as petitioners in the marriage equality petitions that are undergoing in the Supreme Court now? Uh, the motivation, I think, is uh, very clear. And, uh, you know, it was not an easy decision for us, but because we as an organization has always had a very anti-marriage stance, uh, realizing that marriage is a very patriarchal institution. And, you know, uh, it being uh, emulated in queer trans relationships can also actually fail as a system, right? We have had several conversations on marriage and marriage rights and what it would do to queer and trans people in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of entitlements that we have, uh, you know, all rights towards. But, uh, you know, during the petition, during the Supreme Court hearing and the petitions that were given, uh, we had a lot of meetings at that point of time and we were realizing that we have to also understand what the community uh, wants you know what is the need of the community what is the context the context in india today is very different uh, specifically after the decriminalization of section 377 the partial decriminalization uh, a lot of people have started coming out of their closet and have started identifying as queer trans people and also, uh, you know, openly talking about their relationship. As a result of which, there has been a lot of violence, you know, natal family violence, right. uh, public space violence, job, uh, you know, related violence, education related violence that is being meted out to queer and trans individuals the moment they choose to uh, you know, express themselves the way they want to, right? right? 
and this has also led to a lot of uh, lot of crisis that we've seen in the recent four five years in terms of people being un- you know thrown out of their natal homes their documents being burnt they being forced to uh, you know uh, you know forced to get married to a heterosexual man uh, so that they can uh, you know so that they can be cured of their homosexuality right. something or queerness or transness something as simple as coercive uh, you know rape that has been also done on a lot of queer trans people and you know this has really you know it made us understand that uh, marriage does come with a lot of rights Correct. it comes with a lot of protection yeah. uh, and when it comes to queer trans individuals i feel that if you have certain rights in place certain laws in place your survival will get a little not very easy but a little better yeah. right so Krishna is our advisor and previous managing trustee of the organization she's also the co-founder of Safa for Equality and yeah. she had taken it upon herself and uh, filed the marriage petition but that was done in collaboration with all the collective members and we all had our consent to this and she done that and uh, other than that there are also other anonymous petitioners who are uh, you know people we interacted during our crisis intervention situations there are some people we've been able to rescue and all of them like two couples are from like from our region and they're all anonymous there is no name there's no mention just their situation has been mentioned so that the court can take into cognizance the kind of violence that happens on queer trans individuals the moment they try to express themselves or live a life of their own choice with or without their partner right i think what's particularly interesting about your petition i mean you'd mentioned that safo has a anti marriage stance but strategically it made sense for safo to join this particular matter given the set of rights that come with the institution of marriage which makes survival relatively easier for queer people i think what's particularly interesting about your petition and why the petition stands out is because in addition to demanding marriage equality you've also made this prayer for recognition of atypical families right and i think you've drawn uh, from the mental health care act of 2017 the concept of a nominee that can be appointed by someone under the act and that nominee does not have to be a kin related by yeah. blood or marriage it can be any person so, so i'll tell you the context for this i'm sorry you just finish what you're saying no uh, so essentially I mean one of your press speaks for recognition of atypical families and it says that people should have the right to nominate anyone to take decisions on their behalf and that goes beyond health right it could be finance um, health as well amongst other things so i was wondering could you talk a little bit about the conversations you had which led to this prayer being formulated and what is the atypical family that you are praying for for recognition of before the supreme court to be very honest you know uh, we've had this conversation for quite some time almost 10 10 10 12 years uh, more than that uh, you know we realized that the natal family that we that is supposedly a place of comfort and shelter and refuge uh, is not the same for queer trans individuals it becomes a site of a lot of violence right and you know we ourselves have created chosen families 
alternative forms of families you know which are not related by blood or by marriage these are people we've met we've met through you know their commonality and their uh, you know shared understanding of what family should look like right mm-hmm. when we also come with uh, you know when we are doing our crisis intervention uh, work we've seen that a lot of queer trans individuals who have been victims of and mm-hmm. and survivors of domestic abuse and and verbal abuse and all kinds of abuse they have found solace in each other they have found family and alternative sense of bonding with each other and all of us together have formed this kind of uh, the sense of kinship you know which cannot be described in words it's not something that you uh, that you develop because uh, you are related in some way to yeah. something that you 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 nurture you grow you believe yeah. in and you live by you know so if something happens to me for example i would not want my natal family to take decisions on my behalf i would want my alternative my chosen family the family of my choice the family that i have made nurtured like a tree every day watering it taking care of it i would want that family people from that place to take decisions on my behalf whether it is pulling out a plug whether it is a little bit of whatever property i have been able to acquire even it is as small as a scooty you know i would want my chosen family to have rights on everything that i have and not someone who has abandoned me not some people who has uh, constantly uh, negated my existence my entire being mm-hmm. uh, in their attempt to cure me of my queerness or my transness right yes. so chosen family is a reality it's a reality of queer trans individuals that need to come not just queer trans individuals actually not just queer yeah. trans yeah anybody who believes uh, in alternative forms of family you know and for them you know family's definition should change this you know it should not be a watertight understanding of who or what family is because right. we think that family also will only support you or be by you until and unless you you dance to their tunes Absolutely. you do yeah. things according to their understanding of uh, societal societal norms they will not uh, be with you in any way they will try to control your agency your autonomy over your own body over your own life by constantly uh, you know directing you the norms of, towards the norms of the society and it becomes extremely transphobic extremely queerphobic for a lots of people i've seen so many people in the last Three four years going through several amount of mental health, uh, you know, complications because of the family violence that they faced, because of the kind of uh, you know uh, constant uh, uh, you know uh, argumentative behavior uh, that you know the kind of trouble that the family has created in their life in their mental peace. Mm-hmm. So yes, I think uh, in our petition we have spoken about chosen family. We have spoke to because a little, uh, you know, maybe a month or two months back, there was somebody who was put on a rehabilitation center by their natal family, and we realized that the represented nominee when we went through the mental health act in coordination with a lot of mental health practitioners, we realized that this chosen nominee has to be somebody who is related to you by blood. or by marriage or mm-hmm. by uh, you know uh, things like that or by child or by adoption 
Yeah. So we felt that nominee for everything should not be, uh, you know, monitored by these three factors. There are so many other forms of families that we create who could be decision makers in our lives. Right. So yeah, this is what our petition talks about. Right. And I think that subversive friendships have played such a critical role for queer people. And um, the, the dominant discourse now as marriage being the central form of intimacy that queer people value kind of invisibilizes the fact that queer people have largely relied upon community support and on kins beyond blood and marriage when it comes to being able to live what many people call livable lives. And so it's really interesting because not only does your prayer challenge the centrality of marriage, but it's also essentially challenging you know, the heteronormative institution that also is the site of endogamy in India and kind of pushing the boundaries of the kinds of intimacies that the law needs to make space for. Right. Right. I think it's very interesting uh, because you're kind of also pushing the boundaries of law and saying that you need to expand your imagination exactly. and understand that this is not the only form of intimacy that needs to be protected and recognized. We are intimate in as many ways as we exist, right? And I think uh, just speaking of your prayer, I wanted to talk a little bit about the public hearing that the National Network of uh, LBI Women and Trans Persons had organized with PUCL in Delhi in April. And then Safu had come out with a report about how our own hurt us. And I was wondering if you could take us through uh, the process of speaking with people um, and then, of course, discussing that at your public hearing and then the objective that this report seeks to serve. Thank you for the question. I think, uh, yes. Um, uh, we have done a closed door hearing. It's not a public, the closed door hearing that we have done. And uh, it was done in Delhi and people from all over the country, people who identify as queer and trans, and it was done by a network of organizations. There was uh, there was SAFO, there was Nazaria, there was QT Center, mm-hmm. uh, there was uh, Sathi, there was Sahatrika. There were so many, you know, other organizations which, uh, you know, and even anonymous petitioners uh, mm. who had joined in hands and we wanted to do um, this uh, Janssen or a closed door hearing. Mm. It was done in a very, uh, I love the way how we had managed to do it because it was it was done keeping in mind the confidentiality and the anonymity of mm. people and their security. So, you know, when people wanted to share their stories with us. And it was such a healing uh, process also, I feel, because we don't get to tell our tales through our own voices, right? We don't get to tell our own stories uh, with the help of, in front of a room full of people, uh, knowing that our emotions will be held, knowing that people understand and hear you from where you from from what kind of turmoils you've gone through and these were difficult stories these were difficult stories of 14 year old people trans masculine individuals forced to get married uh, uh, you know to a heterosexual person and uh, forced to uh, you know uh, give birth to a child and what that does to one's uh, dysphoria what that does to one's uh, one's understanding of their own gender uh, and that sharing space it was such a 
moment which was very heavy which was very difficult for each of us sitting in that room and there were also people who would only speak in front of the panelists so yeah. there were a lot of like we had seven panelists there was paramita chakraborty there was bina gowda there were uh, there were many more you know yeah. uh, all of them there were there was there was this alternative option also given where people could only speak in front of the panelists if they didn't want the room to be you know filled with people they could only speak in front of the panelists and uh, pravas chidevan was also there uh, during most of the hearing and she, she heard us and at you know you feel seen you feel heard you feel recognized you feel someone is there to look at you and listen to you and that feeling is is i don't know uh what that uh you know what will be the outcome of the report or what is going to happen but i think the process itself was extremely important extremely vital and it gave a lot of comfort and uh, catharsis to a lot of people so yeah. i think that was what the meeting was all about and it gave people to meet each other and you know people who who stay in different parts of the country and has never met each other mm-hmm. and uh, has no access to the you know movement space and they come and meet each other and they don't even know each other's language but they could communicate and understand that language shared trauma that they've gone through the bonding that was happening it was so it was so holistic to see you know it was so holistic to you witness that to be part of that historical thing that was happening yeah in those closed doors and uh, yeah uh, you know the report that has come out has been done not just by safo but by everybody who was part of the lbi network you know a lot of us had put in our heart our labor everything yeah. to make that report and to ensure that the report remains confidential at no point does the you know there should be any breach of that anonymity that yeah. could render anybody in any kind of trouble you know yeah. because right. a lot of them are still in hiding a lot of them are still on the run a lot yeah. of them are still running from the police from the family from the uh, society from the neighbors and you know this distressed migration that yeah. happened yeah but you don't choose but you're constantly homeless the sense of homelessness the sense of not having any root uh is so real for queer trans people yeah um, no matter which uh, class caste position they belong to this yeah. is a very common feeling so yeah. the report has come out and the report will be has also been submitted by brinda brinda grover is representing our case mm-hmm. and while she's speaking the report has been submitted mm-hmm. um and we hope the report is read you know i don't know what the outcome of this entire petition or all these petitions will happen uh, i don't know yeah uh, but to be very honest i want them to read uh, yeah. the reality of the people they're trying to help through this process you know and that yeah. this in me feels that it is intrinsic that people know that lives that you see are not the only lives uh, that people lead there are so many trans individuals whose stories whose lives uh, never sees the light of the day you know yeah. nobody the struggles the hurdles they have undergone to reach where they have reached Absolutely. uh you, we don't talk about the people who we have lost you know yeah. uh, during this process there are so many people i myself has witnessed after i have taken up the leadership position in safa for equality i've seen so many people uh 
you know giving up yeah. uh, to give up and you know it, it is not that they died because they died out of suicide they did not die because they committed suicide they died because there was structural uh, it, it was a structural way of uh, it was a structural matter to be very honest yeah. it was because the society failed us it is because families failed us it is because people uh you know failed us in education institutions people failed us in job at jobs people yeah. failed to support queer trans individuals who are vulnerable uh mm-hmm. and that is why they died they did not die because they just chose to one day one fine day end their lives no it didn't happen like that and that is not the truth yeah so that needs to come forward that needs to be spoken about that needs to be heard that needs to be conversed that these are the realities of queer trans individuals who are like dying every day who are giving up on their lives every day because of lack of support because of lack of any kind of empathy yeah from the from the society at large yeah and i also think just you know courts are not accessible to everyone uh, there are certain people who often speak behalf on other people of other people right. right which is essentially lawyers right. and so i think it's so important to kind of have these spaces where people can come forward with their own narratives and their own voice and be witnessed and right. so do this in a space that is safe do this in a space where they are heard do this in a space where they are acknowledged and do this in a space where they find community and expand community and right. courts can't be the only space through which we also claim rights or which we claim vindication and it's so important right. to have these conversations parallelly and also to come out with the report that you've come out with because i feel like these narratives are not necessarily being spoken about as much uh, during the course of this litigation so i think it's a very important a uh, piece of text that everyone should read to understand that traditional families have failed queer people and it is a necessity for us to recognize intimacies beyond traditional structures of family and i think what's also really interesting about your petition is that it doesn't just benefit queer people if anything it benefits everyone right anyone who wants to live a queerer life anyone who wants to kind of have say perhaps a best friend be their nominated representative or even a sibling for that matter right so i think that's really interesting that it's not just about queer folks it's about all folks including individual folks across gender across sexual orientation so i think in that sense your petition is rather radical because it hopes for a queerer world for everyone irrespective of gender identity and sexual orientation uh, but thank you so much koyal for joining us today and sharing with us and we hope to continue to have more conversations with you and safa for equality are there any um closing words that you would like to share uh, with the audience uh, before we conclude and hopefully get in touch again soon for further conversations like this i think uh, the one thing that i would want to talk about is that with or without marriage uh, chosen families will not cease to exist Absolutely. with or without the law Absolutely. these are things that are realities and we are going to live by it uh, yeah. you know laws are going to help us live yeah. with a little more dignity yeah. but with or without it we are still going to survive and strive and Absolutely. struggle because yeah. that's what we who we are and we are not going to give up and go away and so if you're there if you're hearing to this you're listening to us 
uh, please know that there are a lot of places, lots of organizations, lots of collectives that are working today. So before, you know, if you feel lonely, if you feel alone, please feel free to reach out for help. There are people listening to you. Don't, yeah. please don't take any drastic decisions without, uh, you know, looking out because there is a ray of light. There are people with you supporting. Yeah. That's what I always say at the end of any conversation. And that's what yeah. I want to say. And I think it's that's a really important point because I think people often forget that queer people have existed and thrived despite the law for the longest time. Yeah. And that, um, of course, law makes a difference in our day-to-day -day lives. It's important yeah. for us to have equal rights at par with everybody else. It's important for us to have a robust anti-discrimination framework, which tackles instances of discrimination at educational institutions, at, at employment, but despite that, for the longest time, uh, queer communities have thrived, have sustained themselves, have lived their authentic lives, even when the law hasn't been on our side. And I think that's something we need to constantly keep speaking about, that we don't necessarily always need the law to see us and right. validate us and tell us what kinds of lives we are allowed to live. And I think that's like a great uh, closing message. Uh, but thank you so much, Koyal. Um, it was really nice having this conversation with you. And uh, we hope to keep having these conversations with you and people at Sappho. Thank you. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to speak. I feel humbled. I feel heard. And uh, thank you. Lots of love.